the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. So what is different? We need to be different people. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Great verse. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Live as children of God in a crooked and depraved generation. That's what it is. As you shine like stars in the universe and as you hold out the word of life. Because that's what this world needs. But we have to be different and distinct enough for people to see that we have something different and distinct to offer them. And if we look like them, talk like them, act like them, do everything that they do. They're never going to look at our lives and think, wow, you have something to offer. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Chronicles. As followers of Jesus, it's our duty to go throughout the world and influence others for Christ. We're not supposed to hide from unbelievers, but be careful. We shouldn't blend in so well that we look no different from the world. In today's teaching, Pastor Gary reminds us that being a light means being different. King Jehoshaphat loved God, but he was the one influenced by wicked people. And this put him in very dangerous situations. We should influence others, not infiltrate undercover. Be in the world, but also be holy. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, Dangerous Alliances. Now Ahab is dead. Jehoshaphat is still alive now. He's survived by the mercy of God, and he goes back to his palace in Jerusalem. And when he does, he is confronted by Jehu the prophet. Look chapter 19, first couple of verses of chapter 19. When Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned safely to his palace in Jerusalem, Jehu the seer, it's another word for a prophet, the son of Hanani, went out to meet him and said to the king, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. There is, however, some good in you, for you have rid the land of the Asherah poles and have set your heart on seeking God. Now notice this, folks. God is very angry at the alliance that Jehoshaphat has formed with Ahab. And Jehu the prophet confronts him about this. And he says to him, you know, is this right that you would love the wicked, that you would help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He's talking about Ahab. 
Ahab is wicked. Ahab hates the Lord. And if you'll notice in your Bibles there in verse 2, when the prophet says that to him, the word love in my Bible has a footnote. And if you notice the footnote, because it can be translated and make alliance with. Notice the problem that Jehoshaphat has here. It literally translates, should you help the wicked and make alliance with those who hate the Lord And it says that the wrath of God is going to come upon you, the prophet says. Now, the Bible is not descriptive about what the wrath actually was. But Jehoshaphat suffers consequences of some kind. God is displeased that Jehoshaphat has allied himself with a very wicked man who does not love the Lord and does not walk in the ways of the Lord. And he gets called on this. Now, I'd like to say, and then Jehoshaphat learned from this and never did it again. But it's not true. He does it a second time with Ahab's son. Ahab's dead now. Ahab's son Ahaziah. Jehoshaphat does the same thing, makes an alliance with his son who's also wicked. Look further in your Bibles, chapter 20. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You'll see this second offense here, and God's going to do the same thing. He's going to send a second prophet to confront him. Verse 35 says, Later Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who was guilty of wickedness. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships. And after these were built at Ezion Geber, Eliezer, son of Dodavahu of Merishah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail to trade. Okay? He does it twice here. The first time... Jehoshaphat forms an alliance with Ahab, and the wrath of God comes upon him. Second time, he forms an alliance with Ahaziah, who's also wicked, makes a deal to build some trading ships, and God, in his anger over this, the Bible doesn't say, maybe a storm came along, whatever, but the whole fleet of trading ships was destroyed, and God sends a second prophet to confront him about the same problem. Eliezer confronts him. In the second story, Jehu confronted him in the first story. And Jehoshaphat has the same problem. He doesn't know the line between having contact with those who are wicked and evil and being compromised by them. He has formed an alliance here, a partnership and a union, and God is angry. He's angry with him. The crack in Jehoshaphat's armor was that he formed alliances with the wrong people. Now, folks, take note of this. Christians, hear me on this. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't profess to know Christ, you're just kind of here visiting with somebody, this doesn't apply to you. This is for those who claim to know Christ as Lord and Savior. You are a Christ follower. You love the Lord. You want to live according to His Word. Take note here. God doesn't like alliances, unions, and partnerships with the wrong people. Ahab and Ahaziah are the wrong people. They are the ones who hate the Lord. They don't want to walk with the Lord. They don't love the Lord. They represent the worldly idea of rebellion against God. Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, in the story, is kind of the good guy. He's the one who's done four relatively wonderful things for the land of Judah. He's the good guy, but the problem is he's gotten too close to the wrong people, and he's become guilty by association. 
And this is very challenging to us. Let me tell you the application that I see in this passage. And I want to be very careful to preface my remarks with this first part. If you miss the first part, you're going to think that this teaching is out of balance. So I want you to tune in and hear the first part, please. Please hear this. We have a responsibility to rub shoulders with lost people in a lost world. They need to know Christ that comes through our interaction with real people in a real world who are expressing the real love of Jesus Christ with the gospel. We must have that interaction. Okay? But there is a fine line between contact and interaction and compromise. Between influencing and being influenced. Now, where is that line? Jehoshaphat obviously crossed it because God was angry with them. You have formed alliances. You have knit yourself with these other individuals. They are wicked. You were to be godly. You were to be my man for this hour. And you've compromised yourself by such a wicked, ungodly alliance here. And we need to be asking ourselves as well, where's that line? You know, we live in the world. We're supposed to have interaction with the world. We're supposed to be salt and light in the world. But where's that line between looking too much like the world and becoming integrated too much with the world and the culture and the mindset and philosophy and all of this kind of stuff? And we need to be asking ourselves in terms of what you can control, in terms of what you can decide, how close is too close? How close is too close to be associated with, allied with, friends with, or partners with those who do not share your Christian values or biblical worldview. Now again, hear me on this. I'm not preaching isolation. We cannot be isolated. We must integrate our lives with the real world around us. I'm not preaching isolation. And that would be problematic. If Christians just have this isolated mindset where I'm just going to be in my little church huddle, I'm going to just stay in my little K group, and I'm not going to ever have any influence in the world. That's isolation. That's not right. But in my opinion, I don't think we are in danger as much of being guilty of isolation as we are of being guilty of infiltration. Now, what do I mean? Well, maybe this will expose too much about me and how much I maybe watch too many spy movies and, you know, the covert mission movie, kind of like the Mission Impossible kind of things. But here's the reality, right? If you are a spy and you want to infiltrate, okay, that's the word, if you want to infiltrate the ranks of some foreign body, or if you are, you know, working for the government on covert assignments, and some of you in our congregation do this kind of thing for a living, and you need to be covert because you need to infiltrate, maybe it's some gang or some drug cartel or some mafia ring or something like that. In order to infiltrate, you have to start to look like them, talk like them, act like them. You have to pass off as one of them. You have to pass yourself off as being one of them so that you can infiltrate and be just like them. And here's the challenge. I think that the church in large is in danger of infiltrating unsaved ranks. And now nobody can tell you're any different. Because you look just like they do, and you talk just like they do, and you act just like they do, and nobody can tell you're different. I think that's even more problematic than isolation. Now, I know I get the pushback. I know people, the answer on this is like, well, wait a minute. 
I just want to be relatable. You know, I just want to fit in and I just want to, I'm not really trying to compromise. I just want to be relatable. Let me tell you, I've been in ministry 28 years. Relatability, I know what we really intend by that, but often when people say that, here's what I think that they are really trying to say. What they really mean, it's code word for, I don't want to be odd man out and I don't want to be weird. So I'm going to blend in. The problem is that when you blend in so well, you end up looking like them, talking like them, drinking like them, vaping like them. All right? Living like them. You end up doing everything that looks just like them such that nobody can tell you are any different. I know it's a little quiet in here today. Some of you are like, just tell some of your jokes. Yeah, I... I understand that. But listen to me on this. Christian, Christian, listen to me on this. You and I are called to be different. Embrace it. You and I are called to swim against the stream. Accept it. We are to be different. We are to stand out in our world. Nobody likes to be the oddball, but we are in effect called to be noticeably different in our culture. And if you aren't different, no one will ever think that you have anything to offer them. Because if you look just like they are, act just like they are, do everything that they do, why should they ever turn to you to find out that you have the secret of eternal life and the hope of glory, which is Christ Jesus? Nobody will even think to ask. Let me illustrate it this way. I mentioned to you how I was invited down to Dallas to speak at the Homeschool Legal Defense National Conference. It was a three-day conference, all right? And I spoke in the mornings, and then I had the afternoons free. And Austin, my son, went with me. And so, you know, I'd only flown in and out of Dallas on different occasions, a few times been there, like, on business, but never really, you know, like, done a little sightseeing. So I said to Austin, let's do some sightseeing. So, you know, one of the places we went, we drove over to Cowboy Stadium, and we walked around seven times and blew trumpets. And... Uh, And then we burned it, you know, and, uh, but nobody was inside. It's all okay. But anyhow, and then we drove over to Dealey Plaza, you know, where JFK was shot. And I think I've seen more video footage on the assassination of JFK for a lifetime now. But then after we did that, we walked into downtown Dallas from Dealey Plaza. And we were hungry. It was lunchtime. And so we go into downtown Dallas, and we're in this area where there's restaurants on every corner. And when we got down there, we're just walking down there, and we noticed there's a Chipotle on one corner, okay, and then there's Sonny Bryan's Barbecue on the other corner. And Sonny Bryan's Barbecue is only there in Dallas-Fort Worth area, okay? You can't get it anywhere else. Well, we looked at each other and we're like, well, this is a no-brainer. We're not going to go to Chipotle. You can get Chipotle anywhere. We're going to go to Sonny Bryan's Smokehouse Barbecue, okay? We want the pulled pork barbecue, short ribs, green beans, cornbread, coleslaw, the whole deal. Are you getting hungry yet? And so we're just like, you know, here we are in Texas. Why would we eat Chipotle? We have that back home. It's the same old, same old. We want good Texas barbecue. All right. And why was that more appealing? Because Chipotle is on every block. We can get that any day. All right. It's back home. We have it. It's the same old, same old. And that's the reality. If people look at you and you are just like they are, they're going to think it's the same old, same old. I can get this anywhere. What they really are going to be drawn to and have an appetite for is what is different. It's what is different. We need to be different people. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Great verse. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Live as children of God in a crooked and depraved generation. That's what it is. As you shine like stars in the universe and as you hold out the word of life. Because that's what this world needs. But we have to be different and distinct enough for people to see that we have something different and distinct to offer them. And if we look like them, talk like them, act like them, do everything that they do, They're never going to look at our lives and think, wow, you have something to offer. No, 
It's Chipotle Christianity. I can get this anywhere. You're just like I am. Now, what is the definition then of where this line is? I honestly can't tell you where that line is. There are some things in Scripture that are pretty clear, non-negotiable. Then there are certain liberties, okay? I know where that line is for me. I know where that line is in my household. And frankly, as the pastor Cornerstone, I'm going to watch that line for our own staff. I have a responsibility for us to maintain our lives in such a way that we're being good witnesses as far as it depends on it. And we need to be this for each other, okay? But I can't spell out a list of rules. Now, do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. Okay, that would be legalistic anyway. But we have to be challenged about this and ask ourselves, are we really having an effect on our world or do we end up looking just like they are? So instead of giving you a list of rules, I'm going to pose some questions, seven questions I want us to be challenged by. And by the way, as I go through this list, I'm going to kind of fire them off one through seven. You won't probably have time to write them down. All I'm asking is that all of us just pray over these seven questions and ask whether or not we can answer yes to these. Hopefully you can answer yes to all seven questions. Okay, here we go. Number one, is my life noticeably different from the culture around me? For example, my values, speech, social behavior, such that others might be prompted to ask me about my life. Hopefully you can say yes to that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Question number two. Do I sometimes feel out of place or uncomfortable in this world? You should. The Bible says that we are aliens and strangers. We're only passing through. We're making a pilgrimage. You should feel at times in certain social settings uncomfortable because you're not of this world, but yet you're in the world. Hebrews 11 talks about the great men and women of faith, and it says in verse 13 that all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. And Jesus said in John 15, 19, if you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Question number three, am I intentional about how I can integrate my faith in conversations and social settings? Hopefully, yes. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Question number four, am I consciously aware of my witness at all times and do I do my best to keep from compromising or causing others to compromise? First Timothy 1.16, Paul says, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. In other words, Paul says, there's one good redeeming factor about my life that I was so messed up before I knew Christ that now that I've come to know Christ, I'm a living testimony of how God changes people. And I hope that that will be an inspiration to people who don't know Christ. They can look at me and go, man, if that can happen for you, that could happen for me. And then 1 Corinthians 10 talks about how everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. We better be careful of what we're doing so that we don't cause somebody else to stumble. Question number five, do I believe overall that I am more of an influence in the lives of people who need Christ than they are with me? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We have to understand this. It is important. 
Who do we run with? Who do we hang with? Question number six. Am I more concerned about pleasing God than what my unsaved friends think of me? Because if you're more concerned about what your unsaved friends think of you than you are pleasing God, you're going to end up doing whatever they want to do. And you won't hold out the bar, and you won't be the standard, and you won't encourage and challenge them. They're going to challenge and encourage you to live just like they are. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says you can't do both. And finally, question number seven. Do I limit dating relationships, business partnerships, and other binding alliances or unions to those who are believers and who share my biblical worldview? I mention this because, see, when you get to a place where you are forming bonds, it could be very dangerous unless you choose people who have the same Christian values and biblical worldview as you do. And here, you know, it's this unequally yoked verse, and people get tired of hearing this, but it is what it is. 2 Corinthians six fourteen to 15, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness. And Amos 3, 3 says, How can two walk together except they are agreed? How can you be in partnership with somebody who is not on the same page as you are in terms of values and biblical worldview? It is incompatible. It will cause problems. Now, you know, this is where people will push back a little bit, like dating relationships, seriously? Why is that a problem? Because one date can lead to two, and two date can lead to three, and three can lead to four, and it could end up in marriage. You do not want to be married to someone if you're a believer who is a non-believer. Your lives will be on two totally diametrically opposed paths that it will be very difficult in your marriage. Now, hear me on this, because some of you are like, well, I already did marry the non-believer, so what does that need? Stay married, Okay. Don't go home and just say, all right, Jack, I had a Bible study with Pastor Gary today, and he's telling me, I, no, if you married someone and you're a believer and they're a non-believer, you are with them now. That's God's will. Make it work, okay? But if you are in a dating relationship and this person is not a believer, you shouldn't be dating them. You say, well, I just, you know, you don't understand, Pastor Gary. I just want to date this person to get them saved. You know, I live by the motto, flirt to convert. <laughs> wave to save. You know what I'm saying to you? Yeah, well, listen to me, sister. You need to adapt a new motto, all right? Kick him to the wall before you fall. Are you hearing me on that? Kick him to the wall before you fall. But he's so sizzling hot. So is hell. Get over it. All right? It's dangerous. It's a dangerous alliance. And then on this aspect of business partnership, because I know some of you are like, well, wait a minute, does it mean I should never have a partnership with someone who's not a believer? I would say this. There's a lot of brilliant, smart people out there who obviously aren't Christian. If you want to form an alliance with them, you make sure you maintain majority ownership in that company. Because if you really want to guide and direct your company according to the values that you believe are right and true in the Word of God, you better have majority ownership. And if you don't now, maybe you can buy out that person or buy the majority interest or pray for that partner to get saved. I'm not suggesting you should dissolve your company now. If you have what you have and it isn't ideal, make it work. This is more preemptive for those of you who haven't gone down that path. I've sat in arbitration for people who have gotten into business with other people that are not Christians, and it's a mess. I've had people in my office who weren't compatible as Christians, but now they're in a relationship. It's a mess. I'm saying these things because, listen, when we walk in the Word of God, in the ways of God, it goes better for us. Does that mean life is always going to work out perfectly? No. There's still going to be challenges and problems and relationships that are difficult. 
But as far as it depends on us, we need to live according to God's word and do what God says and make sure we're very careful walking this line between having contact with a world who doesn't believe and being compromised by them, with having influence and being influenced by them. Philippians 2, 15 and 16, live as children of God in a crooked and depraved generation as you shine like stars in the universe and as you hold out the word of life. Friends, we must hold this out to people, but we must be different so that they will want what we have. The writer of Second Chronicles intended the book to be a reminder of God's love and faithfulness to the people of Israel. They needed this history lesson to remember and renew their trust in their Creator. Can you recall a time in your life where God came through for you? When you find yourself in a difficult situation, remember that moment. God will always be with you, and His promises are always worth holding on to. We hope today you've been blessed by everything you heard on Cornerstone Connection. This teaching and others like it are all available on our website to listen to again, or even download and share with others at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find more information about this program and Pastor Gary, as well as some helpful resources. Just click Companion Resources under the Teachings tab to find PDF files that will enhance your own study of God's Word. We'd also love to meet you in person, so if you're in the Leesburg area, please come by one of our services. We meet Sundays and Wednesdays to worship our Creator and study His Word. If you can't make it to a service, you can always live stream them from our website. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today. Join Pastor Gary again for another insightful edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.